some of the stories were like funny. You know, we interviewed a pet groomer in Minneapolis, Bubbly Paws, you know, like there are funny stories about how they operate their business and, uh, you know, like what were some of the, the funny things that happened to them. You always hear CEOs of big companies show up on CNBC and famous podcasts, but nobody brings in Bubbly Paws from Minneapolis and starts talking to them about their operating process and their hiring process. They're really good at it. And so I, you know, I think this book just gives you examples of, of how those frameworks apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fintech Leaders Podcast, where we learn from today's global leaders in fintech business and beyond. Coming to you from New York City, I'm your host, Miguel Armasa. My guests today are two of the most respected fintech leaders I know, Jackie Reeses and Lauren Weinberg. Jackie is a fintech entrepreneur, was the former head of Square Capital, and serves on the boards of Newbank, Endeavor, Nidig, and Affirm. And Lauren is the Chief Marketing Officer of Square, where she leads global marketing and communications and has earned several distinctions and accolades for her work. Lauren and Jackie are also the co-authors of Self-Made Boss, a fascinating book that provides first-hand accounts of small business owners who have built their companies from the ground up. The book is the result from their many years working together at Square, where they realize and experience firsthand the struggles and needs of micro-entrepreneurs. Despite small businesses being the backbone of the economy, Jackie and Lauren saw that this community is completely underserved for information and Self-Made Boss aims to provide much-needed support in building small businesses. Packed with dozens of incredible stories of grit and perseverance, Self-Made Boss is not only an excellent guide for current and aspiring small business owners, but it's also a must-read for any business professional or fintech operator focused on serving small businesses. It will help you empathize with your customers and understand their daily problems. I certainly recommend it. I now, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Jackie and Lauren. Well, Jackie and, and Lauren, welcome to the Fintech Leaders Podcast. Uh, absolutely thrilled to have two rock stars uh, in the house today. <laughs> How is it going today? And, and we, let's start by hearing, wh- where are you calling from? Well, hi, everyone. Um, thank you so much for having us. I'm calling from New Jersey today. Hi, it's Jackie. Uh, Woodside, California, the Bay Area. Happy nice. to be here. It's gorgeous out. <laughs> Very nice. Surprisingly, well, it's gorgeous in New Jersey today too, Jackie. So, uh, <laughs> it's awesome. Amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm dialing in from New York and it's not too bad either. But I've had times where there's a snowstorm outside and my guest is in the Caribbean. <laughs> uh, but no, let's, uh, we have a lot to talk about. You know, excited to welcome you to talk about uh, an upcoming book that you have. And that's the Self-Made Boss book. And we're going to talk a lot about it. But before we get there, maybe we can start by hearing a bit about uh, yourselves and, and your background and how did you end up in your current roles? 
Well, I'll start. Hi, everyone. I'm Lauren Weinberg. I am currently the Chief Marketing Officer at Square. And so for anyone that doesn't know, Square is a software and technology company that provides business solutions for millions of business owners all over the world. And before I went to Square, I ran my own business. So it gave me a lot of insight and motivation to really inspire me to write the book with Jackie. Um, I love Lauren's humility in case you haven't heard of Square. Um, I hope anyone listening to a fintech podcast has heard of Square. Um, I know we're certainly really proud of the company um, and its evolution into what it is today. So hi, everyone. I'm Jackie Rhesus. I am currently the CEO of a stealth startup that I am excited about. Before that, I was the capital lead at Square. Um, I used to run the HR team. I used to run lending and a lot of the banking products. Interestingly, I'm also still involved with the Federal Reserve. I'm the chairman of Federal Reserve's Economic Advisory Council, which is super fun and one of the true honors of my life. And I spent most of my career on Wall Street and uh, made my trek to the West Coast when I joined Yahoo as the chief development officer. Um, so happy to be here. Fascinating. And, and so let's um, hear a bit about Self-Made Boss. It's, first of all, thank you for, for letting me read it you know, a little bit ahead of time of publication. It, it's, it's been really inspiring to read all the stories featured in the book. Um, and you're focusing on small businesses and small business owners. Just curious to hear what inspired you to write it, because it's it's not a small task to write a book. So I'm sure you dedicated several hours. Uh, what was the impetus to go for it? Yeah, so Self-Made Boss came out of a lot of realizations in running Square around working with the small business community. And for anyone out there who has a product or business focused on the SMB community, truly understanding what the struggles are that these customers are going through is core to making your products more successful. And so when we were trying to build the bank at Square, we spent a lot of time uh, around the country visiting small businesses and trying to understand what their needs were going to be in this whole of products associated with micro business banking. And so in doing that, there were a few observations. One, this is a massive community. They're completely underserved for information. Like there's practically no resource for small business insight and information to really help them pragmatically build their business. And so it felt like there was the start of some digital communities out there, but not a lot of information that could support them in the types of problems that they were going through. And second, they had incredible insights to share. And so you would sit in Cleveland, Ohio, and listen to a guy who has run a hot dog stand for 40 years, and you'd listen to how he became a seasoned Instagrammer. And you're listening to what he's saying, and you're like, God, this guy's wickedly smart. Like, he could run the social media channels for like a massive product, but the way he communicates may not be as, you know, super sophisticated or perfectly articulated in the way that you would hear 
you know, someone who's expert in the domain, but the substance of what he was saying really mattered. And so you tied it all together and realized that this community needed information. They needed pragmatics in order to help them start, run, and grow their business. And so, you know, it the book was born out of that labor of love to help support them in building their companies. Yeah. And I'll just add and say, you know, in my role uh, running marketing and comms at Square, we spend a lot of time, obviously, talking to our customers and listening to what they need and what they want. And to Jackie's point, there's just this void of practical advice and tips on how to go about running your business. And we hear a lot of business owners just learning the hard way over and over and over again. And I think the other thing that we heard from them is that they would much rather hear from another business owner than anybody else, quite frankly. They really trust people that are in doing similar things to them. So if you're running a restaurant, you want to hear from another restaurant owner. And so that was also part of this, which was we knew there was just this void of really practical, approachable, like accessible advice for business owners, a lot of demand for it. I think more so now than ever, given that both through the pandemic and the great resignation, more people want to go and do their own thing. And we felt we could package together these incredible stories into Jackie's point this wisdom and this insight and all of this knowledge and really share it. Um, I think the other piece of information is that a lot of small business owners really care about their communities that they live in and the business community at large. And so uh, someone asked me today, was it hard to get them to talk to you? They're really busy. And I would say, yeah, they're really busy. And so we tried to be really flexible when we spoke to them. But I actually think that there's a really strong desire for them to give back and to give to this small business community that they are a part of. You know, what I like uh, is the fact that much like the business owners featured in your book who saw a problem or a void and and fixed it and and did something about it, you did the same. You saw that there weren't enough resources and then you wrote this book for that, uh, which I love, absolutely. I think, by the way, that anybody who runs a business that connects to the small business community, they should read this. Their sales force should read it. Their customer support teams should read it. It, through the eyes of of micro businesses, puts them into the problem set of who their customers are. And so you really understand what people are dealing with and how they might think to solve it in very pragmatic ways. Yeah, and, and that's especially important for fintechs, right? I mean, at the end of the day, this is a fintech podcast and, and we have fintech folks tuning in. And you're right, there you do list several products and resources for small business owners uh, that, you know, are basically fintech companies. Maybe, maybe let's talk a, a bit about that, right? Um Maybe what do you think has been the role of fintech in supporting small businesses? Well, I can start on that one and Jackie, you can chime in. But I would say, you know, fintechs have been essentially leveling the playing field and lowering the barriers to entry for small businesses. So if you think about Square and Square's journey, and this book is not about Square, by the way, but I would just say in general, 
what fintechs have done is really just democratized access to financial tools that were inaccessible before. And so I'm sure Jackie can talk a lot about this, but now businesses of all sizes, including small businesses, micro businesses are able to take advantage of technology and tools to really power their business. And if you think about just the past two years, And what the pandemic has done for businesses, it's the businesses that are able to lean into technology and adapt that have really been able to thrive and survive during this time. And so if you think about online selling, for example, that used to be something that you could do through Amazon and eBay. And now there's a lot of solutions that enable business owners to be able to sell their products and services online to offer like curbside pickup and delivery. And these were things that are critical and were extremely critical to keeping businesses afloat, being able to provide access to capital and provide small loans to businesses is something that wasn't easily available to them. And even just being able to take credit card payments, that was how Square got started in the first place. But there was this whole sort of just like cohort of business owners as part of the economy that were largely overlooked by traditional financial institutions. And I think what fintechs have done is really come in, they saw the opportunity, and they really disrupted the space by making all of these tools accessible and available to businesses of all sizes. I think the reason why you see technology companies adding that kind of value is that small businesses have prior to fintechs and overall technology, small businesses have been uneconomic to target because of a lower LTV in a lot of cases. And so I'll take the financial services market. What fintech did to change that is make the LTV to CAC equation work in the context of broad distribution and micro companies. And before that, where you didn't have technologically advanced distribution, it just didn't work. And so the tools that were provided to these companies were the least sophisticated, least tied together types of tools and the most underinvested types of companies. And over the last 10 years, you've seen a sea change of the ability to target the market, whether it be in HR or ops or credit or payroll systems or core operations, and it totally changed the game in being able to target the SMB market. And so you're finally seeing the enterprise-level tools be adapted by the most micro-businesses, and so they're able to get the same level of insight that they could get if you're the biggest company out there. And I think that's been a sea change for these businesses who now they can understand their sales, they can understand what their cash flow looks like, They can onboard employees in a way that's um, super simple. They can manage their company and their operations with tools that enable them to do it in a sophisticated and efficient way. And so what the pandemic did was change the trajectory of the adoption of those types of tools and make it far more accessible so that now you could walk into a tiny little restaurant And they've got unbelievable tools at their fingertips in order to deal with customers from all different revenue streams, distribution out their revenue streams, how they manage their front and back of the house. And so it really has been this enabling opportunity to use technology to support this market uh, that otherwise was ignored. Yeah. And and what I like about it is I know your book is U.S. focused, but you're seeing the same around the world, right? And then 
it, this phenomenon that a fintech serving small businesses is, you know, makes makes a ton of sense. And it's arguably just going to continue to grow. Where do you think the fintech industry is going specifically for services for SMBs? So it depends what category. I think you'll continue to see the evolution of fintechs target the SMB market everywhere. And I think we only saw the first few waves of that distribution So the first wave hit a horizontal market. Let's attack the SMB market overall. The second wave started with verticalization of tools that hit very specific industries. So restaurants, retail, industrials, building, construction, you know, construction. And so you've seen that second wave. I think the the third wave that's happening now is that around improved infrastructure that sits underneath those companies that enable them to operate and make their tools far more sophisticated towards their end market. And so you're able to see lots of new products that sit on top of that sit on top of all of these underlying technologies. I think what that does is again give the tools to these little tiny SMBs to operate and make their business successful. And one of the things I think is so interesting in the book that we highlight because we come from a technology background, is that we are able to take every chapter, whether it be operations or HR, sales, we're able to look at some of the fintechs that are in there. We highlight a lot of companies in this book, and we make sure that all these micro businesses understand what the opportunities are to have great tools in each of these markets, and they might not have heard about them. And so that was one of the fun things. You know, Lauren can talk about researching and how we put in some of these technology companies. But it was one of the fun things about writing the chapters was understanding, you know, some of the coolest tools out there for SMBs. Yeah, 100%, including just like all, there's so many resources for small business owners. I actually think like just that exist in a lot of different pockets and the discovery is hard of some of those things. And so we're hopeful that the book really sheds light, not just on fintech companies, actually. It's really on all of the ways that technology can enable business owners to be successful, whether uh, there's definitely a lot of talk around fintech solutions, but it's also like marketing tools and what are the resources that are available? Because I, I think probably one of the, there's a couple of really big themes that are always really challenging for business owners. I think cash flow management is one that always comes up. And another one that always comes up is marketing. I mean, there's a myriad of channels and tools. It's really overwhelming. And we try to break down in our marketing chapter in the book, what are the tools? How do you need to think about them? How do you know which channel is right for you? When you decide which channel is the right channel, how do you use that channel? What's available to you? Because I think it can feel daunting and overwhelming. And I think from someone who ran my own business, but also to talking to a lot of business owners, when you run your own business, you wear every hat. And so you start your business for one reason, and all of a sudden you have to become an expert on everything. And so if you started a bakery because you love to bake pies, that's great. And all of a sudden, in addition to baking pies, you also have to be an expert on your taxes and on how you're on legal issues. And it's really overwhelming. And so the idea here is to really go through like each of those areas of running a business and the book can be read all the way through 
Or you could go in if you're, you know, if you're just getting started and you want to understand, like, how do I get started? That's obviously the first chapter in the book, but you could read that chapter. If you have already started and you're thinking about marketing, you can read that chapter, hiring, HR. And so we really tried to break it down in a way to make the information really accessible. So it's kind of used as a guide, however you want to read it. And you can go back to those chapters too. Yeah, I actually want to go back to something you mentioned a bit earlier, Lauren, and that is the great resignation. Because you do have a whole chapter on hiring and and growing a team in a company. Based off of your research and the hundreds of companies that you talk to, how has the great resignation affected small businesses across the country? That's a great question. And I would say it's been hard for them, honestly. So we hear a lot of businesses talking about staffing challenges today. And I actually think it's it's just forced them to think a little bit more about things that bigger companies think about, like culture and benefits. And how do you really create loyalty and relationships with employees and all of these businesses in the same way that I think a lot of larger companies tend to think about it? So I think it's it's twofold, right? You both see people who are leaving corporate entities to go start their own business. And then you also hear business owners that are struggling with staffing and and retaining employees. And I think it's just caused them to really take a time out and say, how do I really like show the appreciation for my employees? What are the things that really matter to them? How do I make this a really great work environment? And so hopefully what we'll see coming out of this is both an influx of new business starts, but also just a better work environment for the millions of people who are employed by small businesses today. I think it's also been an opportunity for products and features. When you can help a small business with their hiring needs, whether that be, to Lauren's point, benefits or perks or scheduling, you can make a big difference in their efficiency because it's one of the biggest components of their cost. And so there's a there are some interesting angles around rethinking the traditional way that employees are paid and how you interact with them, either in traditional communications or different creative ways to deal with them. And so I think if I were a fintech owner or someone who worked in a fintech and I were to be reading this book, but I'm not a small business, I would say, Oh, that's interesting. If this is one of their biggest challenges, I understand maybe how to reprioritize what I'm thinking about as I'm creating new features. Like I understand these problems a little bit better than I otherwise would have by putting myself in their shoes and understanding what it's like to be the plumber, the electrician, the restaurant owner, uh, the tailor. And so I think that's one of the interesting elements of this book that kind of crosses over with the fintech audience that you serve. And so speaking of the tech world, you, you've kind of alluded to this a little bit, but th- there's certainly a difference between the entrepreneurs featured in your book, small business owners, and the tech entrepreneurs are launching tech-driven startups that a lot of us uh, know about, of course. What would you say are are the main differences amongst this these two groups? There, there's also a ton of similarities, by the way. Um, so I think there are a lot of similarities in the core risk tolerance and passion 
associated with starting your own business. Risk tolerance means you're putting yourself out there and you are mentally taking the risk to say, I am, I am risking what I'm doing now and my financial success and potentially my family by believing in what I'm doing. And there's an emotion in that that I think entrepreneurs at any kind of company, bigger, bigger, small, go through. Um, and so I think that's similar, no matter what kind of business you start, whether it's a bakery or the most well-funded crypto company to come out of Silicon Valley. And I think the process that you have to go through is a different level of experience for people who are most to least funded. And I think depending on where you fall in that spectrum, the ease or challenges associated with this, with getting something up and running at that zero to one stage can just be completely overwhelming or manageable. But I think no matter what, everyone's putting themselves out there. They're putting their heart, their soul, their passion into this. And it doesn't matter who you are or whether you're raising $1,000 for your first coffee machine or $100 million for your startup. You have put yourself on the line and are carrying a team of people with you uh, into a new adventure. I would add that I agree with Jackie. I think there's a ton of similarities. And I think one of the other differences is that a lot of tech companies are slightly better funded. And as a result of that funding, they have access to more advisors because the people that are investing in their business are also advising them. And I think that some of these, the, the businesses that we include in our book, they, they don't get that opportunity to have that board of advisors and people guiding them along the way, which is, again, I think one of the reasons why we felt like this book could be really helpful. So I agree. There's a lot of passion and people pouring their heart and soul into everything that they're doing. But I think in a lot of ways, some of these smaller business owners are a little bit lonelier on their journey because they just have less people that are coming along for the ride and hence just needing a little bit more of a, a sense of community and, and just practical advice on how to do it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I guess they have to engineer their own boards. These companies are not big enough to have a board. Uh, on, on this topic, Jackie, one question that has come up a lot in the podcast with previous guests is the topic of boards. And since we're, and, and, you know, since we're talking a little bit about it, I'm, I'm just curious, for large companies, from your experience having sat on multiple boards, you know, any, any kind of lessons or reflections of what uh, what do the best boards have in common? Yeah. So thankfully, I'm involved with some incredible companies that I'm really proud to be affiliated with and incredible founders in the tech and entertainment industry who are the world's best entrepreneurs. And there's a similarity in all of them. And I would add Jack to the mix and Jack Ma at Alibaba, who I um, thankfully spent a lot of time with on the Alibaba board. And the commonality is um, an intent to learn and a vulnerability to be open to feedback. And so on both of those dimensions, say intent to learn, what I have seen is the best board meetings are those that are not run like investor relations shows. They're run like sessions to get feedback and to advance the best thinking you possibly can in a room 
with smart people who have different points of view. And so if you go in with the intent to improve, it enables you to do the second thing I talked about, which is this vulnerability to learn. And where I've seen the most growth and the most and best use of a board is that where founders are willing to listen to feedback and listen to different points of view. And they might not act on it, but it goes into the filter of interesting ideas and insights that might change the way someone thinks. It might reprioritize the way a roadmap is done. It it might stop them in their tracks, but it definitely the founder usually absorbs whatever is heard and makes a decision as to how to process it as opposed to being defensive and putting up fronts to say, no, 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 we've already researched that a thousand ways to Sunday. I have no more to learn. And so I I guess I boil both down to the openness to learn, but that to me makes all the difference in the world and is so obvious as a trait that shines through with the best entrepreneurs in the world. And I guess that's all, that also applies to small business owners. Going back to all the people featured in your book, you, you, you talk to a lot of people and only, only a few are represented, but I'm sure you talk to a lot more. Maybe I would love to hear some of the highlights of maybe your favorite moments from this whole experience. Yeah, I'll start there and just say, well, I mean, I love my job that I have my day job at Square because part of that is just talking to small business owners all the time. And so I think definitely a highlight was just hearing more about the incredible like journeys and stories that these business owners shared with us. And some of them are are really emotional. Um, Jackie and I definitely have a few of our favorite businesses that are featured in the book. And one of them is a woman named Letitia Hankey, who is a roofing and construction CEO in the Bay Area. And she just talked about some of the racial discrimination that she faced early on in her business and, and told us a story of how she you know, drove away from a client consultation and pulled over and just cried in the car about the way that people were treating her. And there was just so many amazing stories like that. We talked to people who are like fourth generation family business owners and what that's like in their family and the relationships there and how the business got started and where it is today. And so I think, I don't want to speak for Jackie, but I'll say for both of us, just like, like we're so inspired by all of the entrepreneurs and the incredible things that they do every day and all of the things that they've had to overcome. And so for sure, like the best part was just learning more about that. And and I'll share one more example, which is just of an oyster farmer in New York who had just recently built up his business in the last couple of years. Things were going great, selling to all the big businesses. So he's out in Long Island, in New York, in New York City. And then the pandemic came and all the restaurants shut down. And he just talked about, you know, how he had to all of a sudden take his business, which was just selling to restaurants and convert it to a like direct to consumer business and how he was shipping, you know, hand delivering oysters all over the tri-state area. And how he worked with someone who had some technology on like bus routes to help him optimize his route. And I think to me, like these are just examples of 
the resilience and the grit and determination of these business owners that, you know, they face a roadblock and what do they do and how do they overcome all of those things? So it was incredible to hear all of these stories and how they got to where they were. And I think for both Jackie and I, we definitely get a lot of energy about just hearing about their triumphs and victories. Yeah, I I totally agree. I it's hard to pick any one seller because they all have really interesting stories. I think Leticia at ARS Roofing in Oakland is an example of one. Um, and you know, there each one is more incredible than the next. And some of the stories were like funny. You know, we interviewed a pet groomer in Minneapolis bubbly paws, you know, like there are funny stories about how they operate their business and, uh, you know, like what were some of the, the funny things that happened to them over time. And so I think each one had such incredible moments. And what I came to appreciate in the pandemic was how much I rooted for these people and I wanted them to succeed. And it, they became more visible in my mind. And so in highlighting them, in the book and telling business frameworks through the eyes of a pet groomer in Minneapolis or an oyster company in Long Island or a cheese company in Utah, you start to see that business principles can be applied to any kind of business out there. It doesn't have to be a McKinsey studied, you know, large company. It could be the smallest of the small and the same principles apply. And so that's what I thought was incredible to learn and to observe, and also incredible to share when we share these stories in Self-Made Boss, because they are all fundamentally the same. And again, that goes back to the premise. You always hear CEOs of big companies show up on CNBC and famous podcasts, but nobody brings in bubbly paws from Minneapolis and starts talking to them about their operating process and their hiring process. They're really good at it. And so I, you know, I think this book just gives you examples of, of how those frameworks apply. Yeah, I, I got to confess, I've been craving oysters since I read the book. <laughs> yeah, he's got a good business. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, fascinating staff, Lauren and Jackie. Thanks for writing this. Uh, we're we're going to make sure that you know, small business owners and also businesses that are serving them actually, you know, get a copy and, 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 you know, pay attention because we, we need more, more books like this. Thank you for, for joining. It's it's been a pleasure and uh, it's always, uh, it's always great uh, hearing from, from you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. We appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed this great episode with Jackie Reeses and Lauren Weinberg. If you want more interviews, make sure to subscribe, follow, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever you get your shows. It helps and means a lot. As always, I want to extend a very special thank you to the great editor, Rafael Ostria, for his amazing work behind the scenes. Signing off till next week... I'm your host, Miguel Armazo.